set the expectations for every single meeting, be solving a problem. If you do not know what the problem is, what the gap is, you have no business having the conversation. Um, that is creating the champion, understanding it, and then moving your way up. If there's a C-level person in the room, get your C-level person in the room with them. Make them friends. <laughs>Hey everyone, thank you so much for watching Demo Diaries. Today I'm joined by Mike Shuretta, who is lead sales strategist at Squark. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing today, Maria? I am doing great. Thank you so much for your patience, trying to get the, the pronunciation of a couple of things earlier. I appreciate it. Yeah, my last name's not easy. We always knew when the telemarketers were calling when we, I was a young child. Um, so, so I get that, but thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Why don't you tell folks a little bit about your career background and how'd you get into sales? Yeah. Wow. So after I graduated, I mean, like who is dreaming and when they're a kid, they're going to be into sales. Right. But we kind of just fall into this and it becomes something I think great. I graduated with a business degree and started in recruiting actually. Um, out of all things. And I was trying to place somebody at a company. Um, it was um, with the lead generation team over there. And uh, I came in in person and pitched them on our great stuff. And uh, the, the, the manager said to me, hey, um, that's great. Um, uh, how about you? Are you free? And at the time I was kind of looking around. So I said, why not? Let's let's talk about this. And I ended up placing myself <laughs> into this role. Um, and that's kind of where it all kicked off into learning to be a lead gen rep, pretty much SDR, if you will. And that was at a travel management company. I spent seven years there. Um, first three years were basically SDRing for four um, AEs and then moving up into team lead, moving up into AE territory. And then I got an opportunity to move over to a competitor of theirs um, as an AE. And uh, then I moved up to being an uh, EAE into the enterprise um, stuff. So seven years at one travel management company, seven years at another. And um, things were great. Um, I learned a lot. We had to demo 20 different SaaS products and understand the up and down integrations. Um, we had to understand payment, expense, booking, policies. It was just risk management. It is like one of the most complex things I've ever encountered. I'm happy I did it. Um, and then COVID hit. So no one's traveling. <laughs> well, they said, um, Mike, thanks so much. Um, you've been, you know, leading in sales and everything, but we just, um, we can't afford to have any salespeople. You know, I think at that point, the company was just down to the head of sales. Um, and I, I wish them well, I hope they're doing great. So I was trying to figure out what to do with myself during COVID. Do I wait for this to come back? Um, and I was always into like the analytics side of things. That was really intriguing. Um, that was what I led with um, when I was at that company. And so I said, I need to dive more into this. I need to educate myself. So I took some classes on Udemy, 
got the lingo down for what's happening in analytics, predictive analytics. And then I, I came across Squark, which was very cool. Um, startup doing some really innovative things um, in predictive analytics and insights. And man, let me tell you, um, I'm more than excited, happy I'm here. So I started here in January and um, not looking back. Um, I don't know that I, I'll ever go back into travel. Um, and I'm very happy that um, I now have one SaaS product that I, I need to talk about and learn. But I'll tell you, machine learning is, um, is something in itself. So every day I learn something new. Amazing. Um, that's how I got here today. I was long-winded. <laughs> no, I appreciate the background. You know, you've you've sold mid-market, you've sold enterprise, sold the Fortune 500s. And to your point, like, you know, when you're selling to a large uh, organization, particularly these Fortune 500, there's a lot of different things, a lot of that you can sell. You know, there's a lot of different sort of stakeholders that have to be involved. There are tons of use cases. How do you drive deals to a close within these massive organizations that are so fragmented at times and to get anything done generally takes a long time. Like the whole thing, as you know, obviously, you know, as you know, like it's startups, you know, a lot of the time we'll go after maybe like SMBs or mid-market companies because they're easier to, to close and they have faster sales cycles. For the folks out there who are thinking about, you know, selling these enterprise deals, getting to these Fortune 500s, uh, what tips would you give them uh, around getting deals actually done in a reasonable amount of time? And has COVID changed any of this? Yeah, um, that's a really great question um, because I definitely had my learning experiences moving into the large enterprise. Um, you could be dealing with um, decision makers in India, Australia, the UK, and the US all at the same time. Um, and so you need to really take what you've learned in SME and mid-market and your lead gen. Don't forget any of that stuff because that all applies. Understand that this is typically a longer sales cycle. Do you even want to be what we call the elephant hunters, right? Do you even want to be doing that? Because now you're focusing on let's say your target is four to five deals in a year. Um, you'll be lucky that like you're creating these relationships over, it depends on the product and service you're selling, of course, but if you're looking at enterprise and looking at like something that covers the entire company, um, everyone's gonna use it, um, like a CRM or something like that. Um, you're going to really have to create a ton of relationships you're going to have to understand every user's needs. You're going to have to know who your coaches are. You're going to have to know who your contrarians are and influencers. Take that spin selling and use that on, on everybody. Everyone goes back to like, oh, well, I'm going to, I, I use Medic. I use Gap. I use all this different terms. Throw that all out the window. You just need to find the right people, create multiple levels of a relationships and be prepared, know who your audience is. Because if you don't, you're gonna find out the hard way um, and then they're gonna, they're gonna turn, they may not you know, turn their head and ignore you, but um, you may get ghosted at that point if you really don't understand uh, what their needs are. So constantly ask questions and use the tools at your disposal. If you, if you have something that's 
giving you information about their tech stack and, and, and all that, um, have that at the ready, come in knowing. Um, it's hard because I know there's so many different products and services to really narrow that down into one thing. Um, some people will say, well, you can always get into one department and one division and, and sell it there. And then uh, you hope that it spreads out to the rest uh, of the company, which is you know, another technique that we use in SaaS um, that can work well. And then you don't necessarily have to deal with um, the procurement folks <laughs> all the time, which can be tough and working through RFPs. Um, yeah. You know, just be prepared. Set the expectations for every single meeting. Be solving a problem. If you do not know what the problem is, what the gap is, you have no business having the conversation. Um, that is creating the champion, understanding it, and then moving your way up. If there's a C-level person in the room, get your C-level person in the room with them. Make them friends. <laughs> um, and also, lastly, I would say, make sure you're treating everybody the same. Um, make sure that you're giving enough respect to um, the person who you think may not have a lot of decision-making power that you would for the CEO. Because you'll be surprised at the end of the day, oh, I didn't know so-and-so was really that influential. Mm -hmm. And you didn't pay a lot of attention to them. So that in a nutshell, I think, um, will help. How has COVID changed that? Um, those all still apply in COVID, but you'll find that different verticals now are doing better. Retail, pharma are really, really um, coming up huge in COVID. And a lot of other companies are holding on to the purse strings. Their budgets are tight. They don't know what's going to happen. Um, look at what happened to travel, mm -hmm. cruises, hotels. Um, are you going to try to sell your products to them? Only if it's going to help them find a challenge that has direct relation to COVID <laughs> and what they're dealing with right now. So be cognizant of that and keep the relationship and momentum going with smart touches for those where the sales cycle has um, really elongated, where they're probably not going to make a decision until sometime September of this year. Hmm. Luckily, we're all getting vaccines now in the U.S. at least. Um, but that's something to just don't be overly pushy at this particular time and just be smart about your touches. So again, another long-winded answer for you, Jorge. But <laughs> well, a quick question. You mentioned C-level executives. And from what I've experienced myself and then uh, you know, and then also talking to quite a few uh, folks, sales, sales engineers, other revenue professionals throughout the year, uh, you know, it, it really has become apparent that the way people are buying and the decision makers are sort of shifting a little bit. They're pulling in uh, more stakeholders. They're pulling in like a CFO, folks who are a little more cognizant of the you know of finance and the books just because we're we've been in this really uncertain time so that makes total sense if you were to think about like demos and how you were you are to, to create a demo based on the personas or the audience and let's say there are some c-level folks in the room how do you prepare for that and how do you sort of balance you mentioned you wanted to treat everyone the same right but at the end of the day if you're speaking to a room of, you know, half, let's say ICs or end users and then half decision makers, C-level folks, and you're not 
hitting the mark, uh, certainly on the sea level folks, they're going to tune out, right? So how do you sort of like prepare to then present and what kind of demo do you generally create? Yeah, so you're going to have your main point of contact as driving and scheduling the meetings. Um, if that main point of contact is the COO or the C-level person, then like you're doing fantastic. Um, you know, this already there, they may not, they just may need to run it by the users a bit and you might not just have to demo for usability ease purposes um, and then you're in. But if that's not the case, which is usually <laughs> what happens to most of us, um, where we have the contact and then, oh, I'm going to bring in um, so-and-so who's our, you know, chief operating officer or, or whomever needs to look at the tool. Always understand first, like, what's the timing? Make sure that they, are they on board with the same challenges? Are those the same challenges that your contact and the users are having? Make sure you're speaking to every single individual during the demo. So what I'll actually do for myself is make a little battle card of, like, who's in there the important things for them. So it's right next to my laptop. Um, and I'll actually draw, like if it's a big desk and I haven't met some of them, I'll like point with arrows to where those people are so that I can look up and say, hey, Jorge, you know, this is the thing that I know that you're really worried about. And I wanted to make sure I ease your mind um, so that you know there's a an API for this. I'm gonna show you that, it could be that. Um, and also with C-level folks, what I've noticed in demos is they may not have the whole meeting time. Don't expect them to be there for the whole half hour um, or however long it is. You might need to front load that and have a Q&A later with folks, or they may have specific questions they want to ask. So no matter what the agenda is, you can propose that agenda up front and say, this is what we're planning to speak about. Um, is there anything else? And just mention to the C-level person, is there anything else that you wanted to start with in particular? so that they don't necessarily have to leave for another meeting, which does happen. Um, and they, you haven't even answered the thing that's most important to them. Um, that's, those are my tips on that. that Got part. it. And how do you know when you've lost an audience, you know, and when you're like <laughs> over demo or oversell and they just, they're gone. Oh, man. Um, it's funny. Um, so if you're in person, so is it, it's strange, right? In person versus, web right now yeah how we're doing demos um so let's let's take this twofold let's say you're in person which is not as often as we would like right now um you're getting i think the signs are obvious you're getting them on their they're on their checking their cell phone um you know or or they're just glazed over staring at the wall um, i think it's important to always have a moment where it's like you could just say like, uh, oh, and Jorge, like, you know, what did you, what do you think of this? And then continue on with your demo. Keep on engaging, keep on saying everybody's names that are in the room um, so that they know that this is, you know, hey, you, you might, you might be calling on them for a question. They don't want to look dumb in front of their team either. You know, that's, that's not something they want. But with, with the web, it's tough. Sometimes you'll be on a demo and there'll be three people critical that aren't even showing their cameras. They're not on video. Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of hard. You can't be like, hey, turn on your camera. <laughs> you know, you hope that they do. So what are they really doing? You might hear typing in the background too. Um, so it, it's, it is a fine line. I, I would definitely use um, 
calling on people's names during the demo and say like, what did you think of that? Um, and hopefully that that, uh, that resonates and tells everybody else like, oh, okay, yeah, I gotta pay attention here. Um, that has worked for me. I'm sure there's a, there are other tips, um, but that's what comes to mind right now, yeah. Like you've sold for many, many years and, you know, if you were to sit down and have to think about what the hardest aspects of sales are, what would you say maybe one or two are? Yeah, I mean, I think it's that that front end of the SDRs get the hardest jobs, hands down. Um, I did it for years. I'm still now like I'm, I'm full cycle. And then I we're a startup We're I'm cold calling. I'm, I'm trying to make 50, 60 touches a day. And then I'm doing my demos and everything like that on top of it. So hopefully we uh, grow and become the unicorn that we, I think we are, and we'll have some people doing, <laughs> doing that as well. But I think that's the hardest part. Not only just doing that lead generation part of it, being an SDR and making the calls and doing the hard, hard work, but getting the message out there in a way that do they even know what I'm talking about? You know, you, you, we're leaving, that's, that's it, formulating that message. Um, you know, these large public companies, they have it down pat, they know exactly, and they have the brand awareness. For those of us who don't, um, if we're not clear, concise, and short, I mean, we're gonna lose somebody's attention after, what, 15 seconds is it? Um, on the phone, if you're like leaving a voicemail, email, it's like those first, three inches under the uh, subject line. If mm -hmm. there's anything more than that, you know, they might glaze over. Um, so that's getting that message out there. Um, you know, just saying thanks to the SDRs, supporting them if it's not you doing it <laughs> and, and helping them along the way. Uh, that's Absolutely. the hardest thing. Absolutely hardest thing. And how do you stay focused? Like when there are those dips in performance, right? And especially if, if you, well, let me take a step back. Cause yeah. I used to think that if I wasn't doing well, I, there was something that I was like, that was blocking me and that I was quite aware with, of, of what was going on. Maybe I was having a rough time with a significant other, or maybe I'm partying too much or something like that. Right. Like I could, I could generally, the way I felt was like, I could generally figure it out. Most of it was my own psychology, right? If I was, you know, being negative or what I uh, used to call throwing myself pity parties when things weren't going well, you know, that just dug me a deeper hole, right? And so I found that my psychology was was largely to blame when I wasn't having, uh, ha you know, reaching the potential or, or performing the way that I expected for myself. What would you say you've found in your career that's helped you through, you know, those rough moments that we all go through and, and you know, keep perse persevering? Yeah, I mean, um, it, it, it's, it can definitely be tough. You have those dry patches. I mean, in sales, I mean, we all know but closing that deal, getting that meeting, having a great demo, getting to the next step. That's the highest of highs. Like we, we, it's like we had a great day. We scheduled a meeting with a qualified customer. Oh my gosh, it's fantastic. The SDR is super happy. The demo went well, um, we're closing deals. And then you have that quarter that's like the quarter from hell. Um, and 
you're not sure what's going on. You're doing the same things that you were doing before that were successful, but it's just not hitting. And I think you really need to reflect and say, it's not necessarily just me. It could be that you might have to pivot and be creative. I say one, this rule, there's really two, two major things you need to do. It's a time to be really creative and have fun with some of your, uh, if it's prospecting, um, or, or, or you have demos or you have a deal that might be going sour, um, you know, it's time to get more personable with your contacts and be less business. Um, use things like video, use things um, that, are, that are fun and that, that are different than what a lot of other companies are doing. Besides that, there's the anxiety there of, man, what does my boss think that I am doing or not, right? So you be the first one as the employee to go to him or her to uh, say, man, I'm having a tough time. I mean, you can see it, in, they know, but, but go there first and like, look at what you're doing. Um, are you making the same activity? Does something happen? Um, is there a change? Try to make a plan. I mean, they're your boss for a reason. Um, they're more strategic. They see things at a high level. They might have more experience and be able to uh, really help you there. So. I rely on my bosses uh, when those things happen. And it shows that um, you're trying to fix the problem. And once they know that and you're having that conversation, your anxiety will just plummet. You will be back to normal. And guess what? As soon as that happens, I bet things start happening for you because people can hear that in your voice. They can hear desperation. They can hear anxiety. And if you're communicating that way, people don't want to, people don't want to be with that person. They yeah. don't want to, they don't want to hang out with them or let alone do business. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. That always, every time I have this discussion, I always have a flashback. Well, in recent years to this particular moment, I, I mean, I, I was like in my buddy's apartment, I was running an early stage startup and I was CEO, you know, co-founder CEO. So I had to like do the fundraising stuff and close and try to figure out how to survive every day. For the team and i remember there's one very specific prospect i still even remember they were from israel they were a SaaS company and i hopped on it was an inbound lead and i was beat up i had plantar fasciitis from running too much and being stressed out it was just awful i remember uh, i had been doing probably at this time i was close to maybe 20 or so uh, vc meetings and they all passed and so I was beat up, right? And I got on this phone call and my energy was low. And I remember just saying something like, he was like, oh, how's your day? And I was like, you know, it's good. Life's life or something like that. Just something so simple. But I remember hanging up that call and going, what the fuck was that? Like, honestly, like the energy that I had, like I, I, I just knew immediately that that person was not going to buy. Of course, I did my follow-up and I never heard back from them. And, and uh, you know, I just knew right away that I wasn't going to sell because my energy, my attitude, my, you know, psychology was so sideways. And, you know, I, I ended up bouncing back and then had some, I think we probably had our best, best quarter, uh, you know, the remainder of that time period. But I remember it was very clear to me, to your point, that people can hear that anxiety, they can hear that lack of energy. So, uh, keep your energy up, folks. I remember a mentor of mine told me, George, sales is a transfer of energy. Of course, he said quite a few other things, but that was one of the things that he taught me 
So, uh, you know, show up and, and it's true. It's true. Well, speaking of like surprisingly sort of, you know, well-executed strategies, if you were to think about one actionable tip that works surprisingly well uh, to close deals that you would give folks uh, out there, what would that tip be? Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, it may not be that like, wow, what an amazing tip. But I think it's something that is important to be reminded of. Like, it's like pointing out the obvious almost. Uh, one is like, always keep the deal moving. Um, never get off a demo or off the phone with your prospect without scheduling the next step. Sometimes things happen, but like, like you do your best to, to not just say like, thanks, that was fun, bye. And then you're like, wait, I got to follow up and hopefully I'll have another. Uh, that's where you don't want to be. So keep that in mind. Um, a lot of the more experienced guys are like, yeah, okay, of course I know that. <laughs> but if you're new to sales, uh, keep that in mind. Always have that next step to keep, keep deal momentum. The next thing is something that people don't talk a lot about. Um, and that's never be all business. We're, you know, we're here. I mean, how many hours a week do we put in? No one's doing 40. People are doing 50. 50, 60 hours a week, there's so much time. And then we're thinking about it after work, like what's tomorrow, what's the strategy? Like we all wanna work with people who are fun to be around, like you said, transfer of energy. So ask people about what do they do outside of this? You know, um, before we started, uh, you know, our conversation here, you know, like, all right, you and I were talking about music, you know, you can see that <laughs> I'm obviously into music. You look at my room here. Um, you know, it's it's a makeshift studio, right? And you have your guitars behind you. I love that. You know, that makes me want to, um, you know, know more about what what you love, what type of music you listen to, and everything. And then doing business after knowing somebody better personally is so much easier. There's a trust, there's a credibility there in the relationship. So. Don't forget that, folks. Awesome. <laughs> Definitely. Well, Mike, thank you so much. I don't want to hold you up. I know you're a busy guy. If folks want to follow you on social or maybe connect with you for some advice, what are what's the like the best channel to uh, to reach you? I'm, I'm guessing LinkedIn, but sometimes folks will surprise me and say, actually, it's Instagram or something. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Yeah, so you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, you know, come check it out if you have any questions or you just want to. If anybody likes any part of the conversation or wants to expand upon it, I love talking about this stuff. This is what I do. Um, you know, I'm on Clubhouse a lot too. I don't know if you've been on there yet, but um, yeah. you know, that's I love it. it's great. Those have those have great conversations, but yeah, pretty much yeah. Find me on LinkedIn. We can always uh we can always continue the chat. Awesome. Well, Mike, have a great, great afternoon and uh, we'll talk soon. All right, thanks for it. Thank See you. you.